Welcome to the Legendarium. I look forward to the angry Reddit. That's not how <laughs> faith works, you <laughs> fool. <laughs> Welcome back to the Legendarium Podcast. Uh, it is episode number something, and today we're talking about... That's as far as I'm getting. Today we're talking about Star Wars, The Last Jedi, which was a film. Yeah. And that's... Uh, <laughs> and, okay, before we get there, my name is Craig Hanks, and I'm your host, and uh, and I'm also too lazy to come up with insults today, so, Ryan, your lightsaber's short. Uh, Ken, your uh, your Wookie line hairline is receding. Uh, <laughs> oh, maybe that one was for Todd. Uh, yeah. Todd, you smell like the inside of a tauntaun. Okay. Like, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I was wondering when you were going to get as a panel. We're as useful as the other three nipples on that creature. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you're about as useful as uh, as uh, Captain Phasma. <laughs> oh man. So okay. yet again, we'll we're gonna get, have words. We'll get to all that stuff in just a moment. Um, spoilers, uh, obviously. Spoilers for heaven's sake. The rule is: here's the new rule. If you didn't know, this is a uh, this is a cultural thing uh, that has been instituted, whether you were listening or not. But when a movie comes out, Monday is the official screw you spoilers date. Uh, so movies come out on. Fridays, and you've got three days to go see it. And if you don't, it's your own freaking fault. That's right. I'll buy that. So, uh, buy so it. we're gonna spoil the crap out of this. You've been warned, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> anyway, but before we get to Star Wars, I do want to mention something that I brought up last week for anybody who's following along with the uh, Wheel of Time podcasts. I talked about Patreon. There was a big to do about Patreon uh, doing a, a a change to their fee structure, and it was kind of screwing over the patrons instead of the creators like us um and we didn't really like that uh and there was a quite the hue and outcry from all corners and so they have rescinded that they're no longer instituting the change so yeah i know there were several of you who were one dollar donors and even one of our five dollar donors who dropped off because of the change we'd love to have you back and if you were hesitating because of it, uh, just know that that's no longer a thing. So you can still go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show on an ongoing basis. Um, and obviously, we really appreciate everybody who does that. And I'm very glad that there won't be an extra 40 cents on every dollar that is, uh, uh, that's uh, donated. So anyway, that's great news. Patreon.com slash legendarium. You can also go to... I want to do it the re- the real way. TheLegendarium.reddit.com is where you can join the conversation. And this was a great week for it because I, I put up a pre-discussion thread. And uh, boy, did we get some responses to how did you feel about Star Wars? Uh, Imagine that. One of People my, had one of my favorite one was, you know, I could really I could really write a whole blog post on this. And then they went on and did like 800 words in this uh, Reddit <laughs> we, comment. Which is a really good blog post, it by was, the way. Yeah, 800 yeah, exactly. words. That's about right. So, <laughs> uh, so I, got a, I got a good kick out of that. I, you know, I really could. I could do a whole essay on this. And I'm going <laughs> to. And I'm going to. And I just did. And you know what? And I, I appreciated it and uh, all the other ones because I like to hear what you guys have to say. Um, 
and we're going to have a lot of things to say, and maybe we uh, can work in some of those comments. Uh, but The Last Jedi. So we need a synopsis, which I have not written, once again, lazy, this week. Uh, the synopsis is Luke Skywalker has been found, doesn't really want to train Rey, does kind of train Rey-ish a little bit for a day. Um, like the Cliff's Notes. And then... Uh, <laughs> Was that a pun? With there were some cliff? rebels. There were some rebels running away from a giant uh, B two star destroyer. Uh, <laughs> some of them got away. Most of them didn't. Um, Finn might as well have been in a coma still. And that was the end of the movie. It was Star Wars Episode <laughs> Five: The Last Jedi. <laughs> Todd, how you doing there, buddy? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I kid. I kid. Um, but okay again if you haven't seen the movie you shouldn't be listening to this and yeah. so I, I shouldn't really need to do a detailed synopsis um i want to get i want to get a hot take a uh, hot take pew, sound effect from ryan who as you said before we started you are probably going to be the most apologetic to uh, uh, on this episode and before i kick it to you i will say i'm sorry i I'm going to say a lot of things on this episode, and I just want to clear the air right up front. It was okay. I, I'm yeah. not... I I'm, I didn't hate it. Even though a lot of things that I say are going to sound like I did, I didn't. But okay, go ahead, Ryan. Here's my hot take. In a few years, we're going to look back at this, at The Last Jedi, and be very grateful that it was what it was. As a whole, as a community as a whole. Why? Because this was the actual reset button for the series. They kind of tried to start that with Seven. Um, they didn't. It was just kind of an introduction to here's the players. Yep. This is how they actually reset the series and allow yep. us to go somewhere original and new from here. This one had a good blend, in my opinion, of aspects that that we enjoyed about the originals, plus being new, plus trying to kind of make it tailor-fitted to... a to the more modern audience. Not sure I love that entirely, but if you look now, look at where we are now. At the end of this movie, the rebellion in its entirety fit on the Millennium Falcon. The First Order is this is a huge powerhouse. One thing that we never really got from Seven is the scope of both sides. How big is the Resistance? How big is the First Order? We never really got a good scope on that. We know now the Resistance is like 30 people like, yeah. and their leadership is gone. So we have Poe going Unfortunately, forward. that's not true because Leia survived. Yeah. Yes. I will say yes-ish. <laughs> okay, Leia <laughs> survived. Yes. Unfortunately, Carrie Fisher did not. That's what makes yeah. it unfortunate. And but, tough to work with. So going forward, we now have the ability to say, I mean, Luke, he, they basically wrote it in the script when Luke's little thing with Kylo Ren at the end there, today the rebellion is reborn. I will not be the last Jedi. I mean, it, it was essentially... Star Wars, you know, Ryan Johnson, Kathleen Kennedy, everyone in the Star Wars family going, look, here's where we're starting. Here's where we're going from. Sorry it took us two and a half hours and you had to stare at really awkward nipples for four, you know, for a little bit. Hey, but you know what? That both makes, Kylo Ren's I, as and far the as Beast. I'm, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> that makes for a pretty great movie most of the time. But I feel like... <laughs> but not this time. <laughs> what In Seven People gave gave the line that, that it starts with a lot of crap about and here we begin to set, to set things right. Like, oh, I roll. 
Yeah, yeah. we're going we're gonna to fix everything that was wrong with the prequels. Well, no, we're going to keep those. This is them saying, all right, going forward, it's original. And I'm on the record saying, after 7, I loved 7, but I wouldn't claim that it was original. I enjoyed very much the getting back into the world and everything there. And I said, when, when the next one comes out, when 8 comes out, we will get to see whether or not we are just going to get a rehash of Empire Strikes Back and get back into telling that story. And I know that then they're just going to be recycling the same three mm -hmm. things. Or are we going to go somewhere new? And while we had elements of Empire Strikes Back, while we had some of that in there, as a whole, I felt this was a much better setup to say, here is a new generation of Star Wars. We're, so, we're literally so handing off the plot, torch here. Plot-wise, it was more original than Seven. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you that. I think there were some other... Um, aspects of the reset that I was not a big fan of, specifically Ryan Johnson's tone through much of the movie. Um, cracking jokes too often. Yeah, well, yeah. not but, just well, not just cracking jokes. I'm fine with uh, if you want to put comedy in your movie, you go back and watch Empire Strikes Back, or you watch uh, the original Star Wars, or even or maybe especially Return of the Jedi. There are a lot of jokes in there. Mm -hmm. They're actually pretty funny. A lot of the jokes aren't. They, they don't hold up so well. Maybe they were timely. Maybe you just have heard them so much they're not funny anymore. You but just, I think the thing that made those but, jokes work is that contextually they made sense. They made sense. A lot... I I am wondering how the uh, the br the shoulder brush off made it past the... Um, the cutting room. That was one of my. That was one of the pieces that I listed in mine as one of my most disappointing moments in the film. So I, I wanted to ask you, Todd, uh, in general, what did you think of the tone? Because I had my problems with it. You obviously didn't like that part, but in general, what did you think? Um, in general, I liked. I liked where. I liked what was being done with the film. I like how they were trying to make sure that they were saying this is not going to be. Uh, this is not going to be just a complete retelling, frame by frame, of all of the other films. Most of the uh, Ryan said something that was really interesting that I that I want to follow up on the the idea of elements that keep showing up. We pretty much know that in every one of these Star Wars films, there are going to be four major things that are going to show up: a really cool space battle, a really cool lightsaber battle, a really interesting dialogue between characters that are going to try to talk about the importance of following the Force and understanding the Force, and some really strange, sometimes goofy characters that are going to be used in comic relief um and in this time we and the got, cantina scene and, and, yeah. and this time the cantina scene included the strange character that was providing us with a, a beverage but um i i think that when we get past those formulaic elements the idea of how we stitch them together that i liked a lot more i liked the fact that this film um gave us a, a glimpse um at, at least what i felt was a glimpse at a really nice, um, at a really nice look of how we are going to survive this within this world. Um, there are, there are real people. There are real concerns. They're hiding secrets from each other. It felt more like a like a like a film where you were watching it evolve rather than a film where you knew everything that was going to happen first. You were just waiting for it to expose. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. And so from that standpoint, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, the, the the phrase that I keep telling my friends when they ask me about it is, it's worth the price of admission. Go and have fun. Um, the same way that I said about Thor Ragnarok, it's worth the price of admission. Go have fun. Um, when I when I go back and I watch it, I, there's there's two other, thing, two, two other ways I'm watching the film. One of them is for all my friends who want to say it's science fiction, and I just want to slap the crap out of them. Um, 
because it's not. It's space fantasy. Let's be honest. It's space Ooh. fantasy. Okay. All right. <laughs> Although. That's fine. Although. They're starting to incorporate some mm, elements. Of, but poorly. Yes. So, so poorly. So poorly. Well, yeah. I'm so, so poorly. It, now, there was a great moment. And, and in the in the moment, as I was watching whatever her name was, Captain or Admiral. <laughs> Admiral. Uh, Dogon or whatever her name Aldo. is. Admiral. Holdo. Admiral. Vice Admiral dress. Laura Dern. Just go with it. <laughs> she 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 cuts a fleet in half by going through hyperspace. But hang on, is that how hyperspace works? You're just going super super fast. Or I thought it was you know wormholes and all that. I I and and so now we've yeah kind of uh, now we're stuck with this thing like hyperspace is actually regular space, just really hyper, really it's fast. Bent around yeah. it. But anyway, but so that that was the thing. The other thing, I am sorry. Curved lasers in space? F you, Star Wars. <laughs> Curved lasers in space. What? Yeah, they're, when they're lobbing lasers at the uh, at the rebel ships, the whole the whole movie, every laser blast, every every cannon blast from the giant ship is arcing yeah, it, as though it's in gravity. And, I didn't uh, notice that. Yeah, I did. And, I did notice and, that. Now uh, yeah, that you go it. watch. Uh, you've Ryan, you've probably seen this eight times by now, right? Mm, not quite, but. I can't believe none of you caught this. Well, no, I it, I didn't see that. What I saw was their, for me, like they had their they've they've changed their cannon styles on that. Right. So they they fire differently. I didn't see any arc on. Oh, you, on you just watch all. for it. Watch for it. Yeah. Well, next time, next time there. you go see I, it. And and when you're looking at arc, I leaned over to I leaned over to Ryan at one point when they said, "Oh, we're running out of fuel. We're running out of fuel." And I said. At what point do we insert some physics into this and talk about the fact that in a frictionless yeah. environment, they aren't burning fuel this entire time, and if they were, they were accelerating the entire time, <laughs> yep. and they'd, they'd have drilled a hole into the planet. And I, but what I said was, when do, we, when do I introduce science into this? And Ryan said, never. Shush. <laughs> <laughs> well, and of course, I'm sitting here in my mind going, okay, how can, how can I make this right? How can I make this right for them? <laughs> Because here's the thing, and here's how I justify it. Oh, here we go. Here's where you get to start labeling me as an apologist. Let's see if you and I get the same place. Start. This is where we start start labeling you as an apologist. Here's the evidence. Let's go. So, if you are in a chase, the rebel fleet, these remaining four ships, three ships, whatever, taking off, and you have the Imperial fleet coming behind you, and you are running out of fuel, and you cut your fuel, and you maintain that speed, and the Imperial fleet then picks up theirs, they close the distance, right? They can they can burn a little bit more and push a little more and get there. If they don't maintain that, uh, I don't know. I to me it was one of those things that if they <laughs> if they let off the gas, they let them come up. That's why they had to maintain burning rather than just floating. Okay, that that's that's my and I look forward to the angry Reddit. That's not how <laughs> space works, you <laughs> fool. <laughs> Is the and they're already on faster, and they're and oh. they're and they're all coming in. And and let's just remind everybody that I've already looked at Ryan and done the eye roll. <laughs> well, and let's 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 not uh, you know gloss past the point of bombers drop bombers in space. And like you can't use gravity to drop <laughs> bombs on a ship I, in space. I, I a, have ship that size, a ship that size, a ship that size, a ship that size would have gravity. <laughs> would have its do, do you know that everything has gravity? Everything has gravity, but. Yes, you're right. If there was some propulsion involved in it, you just push a button and they start dropping. It was a cool visual. Don't get me wrong. All those lined up of bombs, terribly impractical as we saw because every single bomber got destroyed like that. But, you know, it was it was a pretty cool visual. Yeah, there's there's there are issues, certainly. Oh, okay. And we're going to hear I'm sure we're going to hear more of them. We are going to hear about more of them. But I do want to take a quick break. 
<laughs> to uh, give the results of my Twitter poll. Are you ready for this? I, I Ken, if you didn't, I'm, you didn't see this. I must not have. I figured you were the one vote. Uh, okay, the question was if uh, if legendary panelist Ken Johnson were in Star Wars, what? he would be a dot dot dot. I figured you were the one person who voted Skywalker. Uh, there was a vote for Skywalker, a few votes for Gungan. Uh, <laughs> many votes for Death Star Janitor, but that I'm afraid I'm afraid the, the winner was Toothy Desert Vagina Pit. Gosh. <laughs> so congratulations, well, Ken. Well, yeah, when you put that as an option, I mean, you and I, <laughs> you and I would vote for that one. <laughs> uh, so, oh my gosh, you this know, just gets my, better and better all the time. <laughs> I was, uh, I was, I was sitting on uh, on the couch earlier playing Destiny, probably, and the cat was on my lap, and my wife goes, "You know, you ought to figure out when you guys get video going. You ought to figure out a way to get Walter the cat." As um as a, a, as mascot, a mascot for the legendarium. I said, Why? We have Ken. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> There's no point. Oh, you're funny. I know. So uh Ken, Looking. I I want to hear your favorite thing about The Last Jedi. Uh, I, like we've said, we'll get to complaints and stuff, but uh, what did you like? I liked I I'm I'm trying to think of one specific instance that I liked, but really, I mean what I liked is that there were several wow moments just moments that make you go holy crap that just happened mm -hmm. and i liked the fact that the second time that i saw it those wow moments stuck out more than the things i didn't like i liked that a lot so going back to ryan's point which was that this will will look more favorably on it as we go i i i believe that because i liked that i loved the cinematics in it i loved i mean yeah we can quibble about the uh, the science fiction of you know ramming a ship in hyperspace, but I can make it work. That was the <laughs> I can coolest. Make that one work. <laughs> it was the coolest visual. All of a sudden, silence and light and explosions and and I oh, pants crappingly cool moment. I want to throw this out. I so when these come out, any Star Wars film comes out, I always have a a personal policy. I see it twice in a row. Yeah, I go to this. I went to a seven o'clock showing, and then I joined all, all the podcast. I have at something to say about that policy, by the way. <laughs> I see it twice. Once so that I can just go ahead and just be my Star Wars geek fan, or whatever, and then and then I can take the second viewing and go ahead and and turn on a little bit more of the the critical the eye. critical yeah. eye. Um, and that that was when we all went together on Thursday night. That was your second viewing. That was my already? second viewing. Okay. Um, and I will tell you this: this movie, I. You should see it a second time, whether it's in theaters or at home. I don't really care because I will say that I'm going to guess that 75, 80 percent of the people going in there wanted two or three questions answered. And you spent the entire movie waiting for those two or three questions to get answered. And not a single one of them was. One well, of them was. well, well, <clears throat> one, of the, one of them was lied about. Um, I think so. That's and, that's a that's a really big point, which we can talk about there. But the thing is. Watching the second time when I'm sitting here going, okay, I already know what the answers this movie is, is giving, what, what those are. I can, I was able to go ahead and immerse in the rest of it. And the story connects better the second time yeah. when you're not having to worry like, okay, am I going to get it now? Am I going to get it now? It connects better. The problem with the second viewing though, is you start to feel two and a half hours in your buck, like on your butt. Yeah. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah. So I, tell me more about how your butt feels, Ryan. <laughs> I, so normally for me, like when we, when episode seven came out, I saw it, I think six or seven times in the opening weekend. I saw it 
twice in a row that this, first night. I went the next morning. Look, I, I, we've been meaning to talk to you, Ryan. <laughs> and I had every intention with this one of doing the same, going tw going twice that night and then going again Friday morning, everything. And I didn't go. Two reasons why. One, I had a show Friday night and I was like, I should probably rest up and be ready for my show. And the other was, I just spent six hours in the theater sitting down watching this movie. I don't want to spend another three this morning do it. There's not enough there to draw me in for another three hours worth. Says something wow. about the movie. It does. Um, and this is my I I, I have oh, I have just a handful of things about the movie that I that bothered me. But for me, if you're going to make a movie two and a half hours long, every piece of that needs to be important to the story and it needs to engage the entire yeah. that you're telling now. Yes. I think that a lot of the story that was told will be important going forward or it did set up. But I mean, you kind of joked about Finn might as well have just been in a coma. Like that, that, that is 45 minutes of movie that I want back. Like, was it, it only 45 minutes? It felt like more. <laughs> I don't know. When it has no bearing other than it, it alters Finn's uh, character perspective a little bit. It changes him to from being this somewhat scared nervous about being you know the first order to a full-on rebellion leader like that's what his arc is you don't need 45 minutes and a love story with him and rose to to do that and the other things. the other thing that it did <clears throat> one thing that i heard that i you know i'm i'm okay with buying into this is that um you watch the empire strikes back and obviously there like you said there's some beats uh from empire that uh, resonate here as well sure. um but it's not the same movie however one thing that empire did that they were trying to do here was it kind of it cut every advantage that the rebels had out from under them yeah um yeah. Uh, you know it talk about dark there are very few light moments in the empire strikes back um and in the end of it you do have hope and you there's a nice shot of them all standing on the medical frigate looking out into the stars but that's about the only moment of real hope that you have through the whole movie. And in this one, I think what the idea was, was they they said, okay, we're going to take all these Star Wars tropes and we're going to Empire Strikes Back them. Meaning, um, uh, okay, so these characters have to go on this quest and they're going to find the thing that's going to help them do the thing that's going to destroy the thing. Uh, and that, and there were a few things like this where, okay, so Ray is going to go to the island and whether she's going to learn about this thing that's going to help her do the thing that's going to blow up the thing. And, and she's going to learn from the old Jedi. And, and every time they, every time they would try to do this, Ryan Johnson's script says F you and says everything you just did was pointless. Um, yeah. And so like Ray goes to learn from Luke about the force and uh, it turns out he's just a sour old curmudgeon who doesn't want to teach her anything. And he really doesn't teach her all that much. Now, I will, I, I'll go on record as saying that that storyline was extremely engaging and, and interesting. And uh, I was still okay with it, maybe largely because it accomplished what it was trying to do in undercutting Ray's goals. I thought However, you were going to say because something, you relate to the curmudgeonness. Well, there is that. But <laughs> something about the Finn one, and maybe we can hash this out, but the Finn storyline is largely the same. He He's going on a quest to get the thing to destroy the thing, but then it turns out that that was all completely pointless. Um, and as a viewer, that felt more insulting than the Ray storyline. Uh, yeah. how, how do you mean it was pointless? Well, it, not only was it pointless, it was counterproductive. Exactly. It yeah. was, yeah. Because he, 
they they go to get this hacker so they can get on the ship so they can cut the the string that allows them to uh, track them through hyperspace but it turns out that by going there they get hooked up with the hacker who sold them out to the empire so if they hadn't gone at all then then all the all the people so leia has this master plan she's got all these lifeboats get them on the lifeboats we'll cloak them get them down to the planet and then they can destroy the the ship and they'll think they got everybody uh it actually undercuts her plot for uh poe to send finn and rose on this trip um because then they end up bringing like ken said they bring the the traitor with them and he sells out the lifeboats and half of them get destroyed and everybody dies so i guess i i guess i look at it from a standpoint of saying this is for me at least this is one of the things that i that i liked about the film is that you didn't know that there was a grand plan until Poe knew that there was a grand plan. One of the things we talk about in literature is what people know and what they don't. And when we're reading a book, we get it from the perspective of the one person who were inside their right. were inside their space. We were basically inside Poe and uh, Poe's space when we're on board the ship. We're not inside anybody else's space, and Poe doesn't know that there's a plan. And because he doesn't know, he takes matters into his own hands. Which is what which he does his entire of, time. Yeah, See, it's that's, one of the things that makes him a jackass. It in, is one of the in things. This movie. It is one of the things that makes him a jackass. It's also one of the things that, as they were going through and talking about it, helps him do the the character arc that he needs to become a leader and to start recognizing. Oh, I've got to start thinking bigger picture, not just about this individual instance. That was he gets that at the beginning. He gets it again, reiterated to him through that through that failed plan that undercuts everything. But it's an accident. That, that but at was at least he's taking action, and that's why I enjoyed it. I I bought into it, and I said, "Okay, I'm good." That was that was his purpose in the movie. I just think that it was a, a horribly told story. His story, I thought thought was horribly told. But the, the thing you liked about it was the thing that I hated about it is that sh- just tell him the damn plan. But that's the thing in every in every piece of drama, in every piece of literature and drama and musical theater. It is one secret that is withheld from everybody else I, that makes the conflict occur. I just I'm saying I get out. it, but it was a bad idea. I agree. He, but she needed to tell him so that this doesn't happen, and then the ships get why, off the. But that's the why I well. bought it, and that's why I enjoyed it. I, yeah, but that's I, why I, didn't I, buy it. I just want to point out that in any competent military system, Poe would have had his head lightsabered the. Off. Yep. Yes, he would have. He would have. Yes, he would have. Hey, hey, he probably would have had it chopped off after the first thing with the bombers. And in right? most, yes. you just wasted half of our military well, assets yeah, for let's, let's this. Be, not let's just half. Fair, not not just in most military engagement or military situations, but in most corporate situations. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I I was I I was a little disappointed because Finn was or sorry not Finn Poe was such a uh, crowd favorite from episode seven. He had a lot of promise. He was a ton of fun. And in this one, you just you spent the entire movie wanting to throttle this guy. Well, huh. and, oh, interesting. I, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I felt like Ryan Johnson tried to force in, that wasn't a pun intended, but for, force in all of the, <laughs> yeah, right, the, the thing that he thought made Poe endearing, which is the, the funny jokes and the, oh, is this Admiral Hugs, uh, blah, blah, you know, and, and stuff, which wasn't what made him endearing. It was his, his lighthearted, you know, fly-by-night nature that didn't work most of my compl- in fact every one of my complaints in this movie is not about the is not about the 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 canon or where this is going it's it's about the writing and directoral choices i've i've decided it's okay uh, so maybe so, I, I like the movie but not i didn't care as much for ryan johnson's here's direction. my thing with poe <clears throat> oh boy 
<laughs> they did, I'm not going to call it a retcon because that's not the right word, but it's probably as close as I can get to describing what they ended up doing with this. At the end of seven, if you had to attach our three new characters to an equivalent original series trilogy, Poe was your Han Solo. He was the Han. Yeah. yeah. He is not Han Solo. Going forward, he is now leadership in the rebellion. Like that's well, I mean, Han was General <clears throat> Solo eventually. Eventually, right? eventually, but he was still the he was still the smuggler, and it was still he wasn't the one standing in the in the meetings planning. He was the one that they came to off to the side and said, "Hey, you're you're going to run the Endor mission," and he was like, "Yeah." He's not the one like actually you know giving the rally cry speech to everyone. Come, we're going to be the spark that lights the fire. That's not Han, no. right? Um, and so they took Poe and they said, "Okay." We're going to rearrange this a little bit. Ray is our Jedi. That's been the case from the from the beginning. We kind of toyed with in seven, you know, trying to make people think that it was Finn for a while, but it's Ray. And then we have Poe now being the resistance leader, and Finn gets to be the the C three PO, the plucky. No, he gets to be the 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 plucky um, scoundrel. Yeah, he gets to kind of get. Yeah. He gets to play that role a little bit, which required some shifting around, and they decided to do that and do that through this specific storytelling element. So, yeah. and it, it required every one of these character arcs. If you, if you actually write, like go down and say, okay, what was their arc in this movie? Um, Pose was becoming a leader. Mm -hmm. It was becoming a leader and learning what that means and, you know, taming your hotheadedness. Yeah. Finn believing in something. It was coming to actually say, I believe in the rebellion and I want, and I'm planting my flag here. I'm not going to run anymore. Because he was heading out the escape bin, you know, the escape pod when he met Rose, trying to protect Ray, still out for himself. <clears throat> Ray's has been I, finding my place and getting a firm footing there. And now she knows because Luke wasn't, she, you know, she thought that she would find it with Luke. She thought she'd found it with Han a little bit, but lost him. For her, it was finding her place. And she knows now she's going to have to make her own because she comes from nowhere. She comes from no one. And the only thing she has is herself which is a very dangerous place to put that character. She has her friends. She and Finn are clearly, I mean... Not, she has Finn. I don't think they'll ever be romantically connected, but they're, I mean, clearly they're connected. They're She has friends, but in terms of being able to deal with what makes her unique, she has one connection, and that is Kylo Ren. Yeah. Unless they force Ghost Mark She's, Hamill back, which they set up, they can do. Which I think, they, I, I think they will. She's got two. She's got Kylo Ren. She's got the books. And the books. Well, and, and she's got Poe, but, but that, that's not a real strong connection. I don't yet, call so. that a, a friend connection there because that that's the <laughs> guiding yourself. So she's friend-zoned. My yeah, friends are my books. She's got Kylo Ren as her only person who can understand what she deals with in terms of dealing with the Force and, and dealing with that. The books will give her guidance and help her figure that out in, a, in an environment so that she doesn't get tied in with the... Jedi order, but simply what the Jedi, and this is a chance for them to rewrite what it means to be a Jedi, because what's in those books is now what we're going to get. I yeah. and and I think what we're going to get is a is a discovery that what the Jedi became and what the Jedi were are two very different kinds of things. Oh, absolutely. Luke pretty much straight out comes out, which I loved that they did it. It's something that we as fans have been doing for years, calling out the hubris of the Jedi and saying, you know, when he's teaching her about the Force, you see what that is. You see, do you understand? what sort of pride do you have to have to claim that as your own? It doesn't belong to the Jedi. It doesn't belong. I was like, thank you. Yes. That is a beautiful place to start from to say that this, it Boy, also gives how you... how much does that sound like the Wheel of Time? A lot. Yeah, a lot. 
And it also helps us understand why balance is important because the force, this this world, uh, the, this binding force between everything, requires balance to to ex- to to exist, and it doesn't make it good or bad. And it can affect. I think that it can affect things in the world. It can affect things around it to help it maintain balance. That's why there's a champion of light and a champion of dark. Pretty that- standard fantasy trope: champion of light, champion of dark. Um, which is why I also absolutely loved the sequence, not just for the action between Kylo Ren and Rey when they <sighs> when he kills off Snoke, which we can talk about yeah, that we'll being a little bit under, <clears throat> but but that fight when he kills off Snoke and the two of them start fighting side by side, and you know you're getting this excited idea, and I'm you know, and the first time I'm watching, they still haven't revealed Rey's heritage or whatever. I'm like brother and sister, brother and sister, it's happening. The Solo twins somehow they're <laughs> gonna explain it. It's gonna be the case. That's gonna be the case. Um. They do something, and then they finish this moment. They've 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 come together. They've connected on this new level, and you're like, "Oh, this is awesome!" And then he chooses the dark again. And I, I liked that. I liked I, that it. Was a lot. So wonderful. It was, yeah, I was it was like, a good moment. And it made him. It took him from being a tantrum centric child, like Snoke calls him, "You're a child in a in a mask," to being an actual villain. Yes. We watch him make the choice. Even after he is connected with someone else, he's gotten rid of the person over him. He is now the supreme leader, and he chooses the dark. And there is no more good. Even Luke saying, "I can't save him." There's no going. There's no saving him. Like it, I felt right now, Kylo Ren is a bad guy now. There's not a redemption arc for this character. Nope. And, yeah, I mean, well, in the same way as Darth Vader, there there could be a redemption arc. The there possibility could be, they should not. The, the the difference is that Vader still had. Vader still had the Emperor that was that was pulling his strings. Right now, Kylo Ren has no one pulling his strings. And so any decisions that he makes are choices. They're not orders being followed. Right. They are choices. And that's, uh, Ryan, I think, I think you're absolutely hitting it on the head. That's what makes him now truly a great villain character. He's the Emperor for this new, for this new situation. He may not have been the one that started it, but he is the one that's going to run it now. Which is going to be so, an interesting... It's going to be an interesting turn of events because he's not, he doesn't seem ready to be an emperor type. Yeah, he he still seems brash and emotional and reckless and oh, so, so you mean somebody yes. on the dark side. Yeah, but um, not like like not the emperor and not like Snoke who were you know calculating and manipulative and had their fingers on everything apparently except the lightsaber, but. Him. So I, I and by I the wanna... way, Darth Maul came back from a severing like that. So yeah, oh, okay, look, <laughs> hold up. <laughs> let's let's get back to Snoke in just a minute. I do want to talk about because uh, we've we've drifted really close to the subject a couple of times now with Ray's parentage, Ray's for in, for instance. Um, but one of the things that I'm a little bit um, uh, uh, miffed about, I guess, uh, is this movie in relation to episode seven, because Ryan, you were kind of talking about this earlier when you said, um, it, this is the movie. This is the one where they say, okay, this is the actual reset button. This is where we can go in our own direction. And I think that's totally legitimate. But then the, the question in my mind is, okay, so what was the point of episode seven again? And basically I kind of feel like, uh, in episode seven, we all took a big, long stroll through Chekhov's living room. And there are guns on <laughs> guns mantelpieces <laughs> all over the place. And we're going, oh, that that's a sweet gun on that mantelpiece. Mantel 
plate mantelpiece, whatever. Uh, I can't wait to take that down and shoot it. Yeah. And then somebody says, okay, so it's time for episode eight. <gasps> Burn down Chekhov's house. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and so we introduce I, a whole lot more well you maybe know? maybe i guess but uh, we don't but, have we never got the satisfaction of any of these being fired at least not in any meaningful way the sole exception is ray's parentage and even that i think is um well to torture the gun analogy it's a misfire uh this is it's a. It's clearly a lie. I'm planting my. I'm planting my flag on this. I it's, don't think so. I've, I've, I. I'm with Ryan on this one. It is clearly a lie. I. I have the feeling that it's a lie. I really hope that it's not because I want her to be from nowhere. I want her to be nothing. I want her to be. I don't want her to be another Skywalker or Kenobi or, you know, a Calrissian even. I don't want we've, her. I want her to be already, somebody new. We've already seen the new Anakin, a slave boy in the pits of the, no, of the casino. That's nothing. It's just summoning a broom and. I'm just telling it's you. It's the new trilogy. I mean, Which, I think that Ryan Johnson did take a few moments in this movie to say, to set up hey, his own trilogy. I was hired to do a new trilogy that's not based around what's happening here. I'd like to introduce you to some potential stuff going on over here. I'd really, I really was... like them to take it not only out of the family, but out of this timeline as well. Get us out of the Empire versus Rebels or the First Order, whatever they're calling themselves. <laughs> the good versus evil? No, no, no. I'm just saying, go like... Tell us something about the old republic or whatever. I'd like to, I'd I, yeah. like to see get, Disney do that. Get out of here and uh, give us something new. I I I have similar feelings. I would love because to see as, Knights of the Old like Knights of the Old no, Republic. I'm not a lot talking things, about but, like the video game itself. Yeah. I'm just saying, but but as long as we're in this timeline, we're going to have these stupid little fan service callouts where people are going to be like bumping into C-3PO. And he's, oh my, uh, I, you were in my way. And then that's it. And he goes off and everybody's rolling their eyes going, oh my gosh, did we really need C-3PO in this? Or whatever. You know, those, those little fan service moments. I don't want those. I want those gone. I want them dead and buried forever. I want to get the, the blankety blank out of this timeline. Although I did love the R2-D2 and Luke moment. Uh, that was when he the, pulls up. When, when R two pulls up the help me Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. That was the realest <laughs> moment for Luke in the entire in the entire movie. You could see it on his face. It, that that I wasn't was kind of waiting for him to punch R two. Shut up. Funny. But it wasn't. It wasn't just. It wasn't just Luke's realest moment. You could see it was Mark Hamill's moment as well. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, and and it was it, it was, was good. Neat. It was uh, good. C three PO could have never said anything, and it would have been just fine. I mean. I, all, by the way, just on a, as a side note, how many leaps and bounds has Mark Hamill made over the last 30 years as an actor? Oh, yeah. So I did something really he fun. Was, he was fine. I, In fact, I like him a lot in the original trilogy, even the first movie when people say, oh, he's so whiny. Like, of course he's whiny. That's he's, his he's a 20-year-old kid. Uh, <laughs> That's how it was written. Like, yeah. I really liked him, but he's so much better now even than he so was then. I went back and I just, out of, I, I was, I, I had a friend asking me for, for um, some film information about the, about the previous, uh, about the first series of trilogies. And so as I was going through looking for things, I found some old, um, some old, acting moments that Mark Hamill had either before or right as Star Wars was coming off. Um, I saw him in the Partridge family. Oh man. <laughs> um, as a, as a little bit part in the Partridge family. And I saw him in um, eight is enough as uh, the David character. And for those of you who aren't old enough to remember that, that's okay. Uh, but it was really interesting to, to watch him. That's that it, everyone else in the world, Todd. Thank you. Thank you for even, reminding even me. me about that. <laughs> even me. Um, but, I, but as I watch those, I, I, I'm looking at it and I'm saying to myself, oh, yeah, 
this is the character that he played. This is this is his one acting thing that he did, his shtick. And it was very obvious that he was cast because of his innocence, his naivete, his ability to be that um, that youthful, that young, that that angsty. Um, and my goodness, watching his development as an actor uh, and seeing where it brings him to this uh, to this moment where he plays a curmudgeon quite nicely and just uh, and 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 does has the has the moment where you see on his face and it's in the it's in the flashback scene with Kylo Ren where you get to see the the look on his face of terror of conviction of uncertainty he plays a lot of emotions on his face very very quickly um, something that that as a as an actor as a as a theater person I really really respected and very much enjoyed very good now that was craig saying i don't nobody cares no no no. i'm not i'm just saying i'm not i'm not a theater guy what else, so what I'm, else to say i'm with you before we jump i too brought far, up we... the damn point so shut up <laughs> before i mean we we hit it and then we jumped off of it very quickly we hit it and then we quit it yes <laughs> raise parentage i think that you <laughs> <laughs> so we're not the only ones yeah. is what you're yeah. saying yeah <laughs> um I, Just like Ray. I am very happy about the way that they did that, actually. I don't believe it's a lie. It's a lie. Um, <laughs> specifically because in order to take this series forward, we have to do exactly what you were wanting. Oh, that's get it fine. out of it's, the Skywalker lie, family. Though. We have to get it out of there. And it's it's moderately frustrating, but you if you actually put... To listen to Skywalker lies... <laughs> If you put it, if you put her as a Skywalker, as a Kenobi, if you put her as anything there, you have a rabid fan base of "I was right, I was, oh, you were wrong," and you have, and you will, you will immediately cause a, a, a schism in the 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 fan base. Okay, yeah, because um, because there's not one now. Oh yeah, well we've got a, <laughs> we definitely have a few, but I I honestly think that the best thing had, that they can do. I had a schism once. Doctor gave me a salve for it. It cleared right up. Topical cream. <laughs> the best thing that they can do for this series or for Star Wars going forward to maintain originality and to give us good things going forward is to take the Skywalker saga and let it end in Episode Nine. Eventually, yes, <sighs> but we still have a Skywalker running around or floating through space. Back to the top. <laughs> Bat, Batmaning across the uh, space battlefield. Manning. Oh my! We still have goodness. the Skywalker saga. Force angeling her will way end. Back. It will end in nine, as the rebellion kind of takes off again, and and we get this new generation there. But I, as soon as they said it, I was like, that feels. I, there was disappointment for a half second. There was a moment of no, no, they're going to come back and actually reveal it later. Like I had the it's a lie moment. And then I thought, no, if I was Kathleen Kennedy, if I was Ryan Johnson, if I was anybody in that room making that decision and writing that out there, that's where I go with it. Because that gives me more opportunity to go places afterwards. And you can still come back and explore her parentage if you want, or you can now say, no, they really were nobody. It doesn't matter anymore. And it, and gives, the, go. it gives the force the opportunity to select who and where it goes. Yeah. You, wait, you mean it's not midi-chlorians? 
I hope I never hear the word midichlorian again. <laughs> I hope that that shows up in the books as, no, it's not midichlorians. Turns out the Jedi were wrong. The Jedi were just trying to understand themselves. They wrote this total false concept. And I sure hope so. I sure hope so. The but, dumbest hey, thing I'd ever heard. It was heard. a bureaucratic okay. red herring. Look, we've got a we've got a few more minutes. Uh, Ryan also wanted to bring up a little bit of Battlefront Two. Is that what it's called? I can talk a little bit uh, about Battlefront. Anyway, II. we can do that at the end. Anyway, point being, we only have a few more minutes. I want to move on to some other subjects. Um, I was this, this is a complaint of mine from the movie. Um, the uh, the beclowning of the First Order was not. not in great service to the story, I thought. Um, This was something that, again, comparing it to the original trilogy, uh, something that wasn't really done. Uh, With the exception of The Return of the Jedi, with the stupid Ewoks uh, versus Stormtroopers, I I still, I have issues, you know, like bows and arrows and all that stuff. Like, the Stormtroopers are kind of made to look silly in that movie. But for the most part in the in the original trilogy, especially in something as dark as The Empire Strikes Back, the Empire is frigging terrifying. Darth Vader is frigging terrifying. Um, and in this one, you have... Uh, there are moments like with Kylo Ren and uh, and that uh, anti-circus guy. Oh, Snoke. 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 Um, that, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of menacing a little bit, whatever. But General Hux is the embodiment of the First Order in this movie. Um, and he is made to look like a fool the entire time. Yeah. Um, especially I hated, I hated, I hated, I hated, hated the prank call for this reason, because it really undercut our bad guys and made them not very menacing. Um, it just, it made him look like an idiot. It it set a bad tone for, for his credibility, but also I got, now I will say I got a little chuckle out of it. I, I chuckled, but. And, got, then, and immediately after I went, I hated myself for chuckling. Well, basically, I got, I got a I got a chuckle the first time, and then when it kept going, I was like, "All right." But he, I I thought his over the top stuff would have hopefully not made it into episode eight. But it, he just he still seemed kind of like a parody, and there was no depth. There was no reason for all of his. There was a perfect reason he, for it. Oh well, boy, here we he's, go. He's the he's the blunt instrument. He goes. He goes where he is. He goes where he is instructed. He does he's, what he is told. He is. He is just absolute um, power. He's the, he's the rabid dog, and you keep him on the chain until you let him off, just like Snoke said. But but we don't see it. I mean, no, that's exactly what you're complaining about. Is the fact that you're seeing it? Yes, you're seeing exactly that. He wasn't. He wasn't having a moment where he was supposed to use his brain. He was waiting for the order to destroy. And when he finally got frustrated, he gave the order to destroy too late. My, my point is we see we see a lot of great depth. We see a lot of character building from Kylo Ren. We see nothing from Hux. We just see go. That's because Hux doesn't have anywhere to go. And he should. I, Why? Because he's the bad guy. Because we deserve... Deserve. He I, is the... I hate when... I hate when... Sorry, this is a tangent. We'll save it for later. But I, I, I want to see more from my bad guys. I don't want to just see them out there being bad and twirling their mustaches just for the sake of it. He's the character that prevents you from having to go through the bureaucracy of getting stuff done. You just give it to the commander of the army, and he's the one who shouts out the order, and, and it gets done. Otherwise, you're like, you know, Kylo Ren's talking to this radar technician over here and this person over here, you know, to to give orders. His his entire purpose is, like, like you said, he is the That's... face of the First Order for that, but the First Order is a rabid animal. Okay, so I did not mean for this to go on that long. <laughs> 
uh, don't really care that much. And the reason for the prank call is to buy time for the jet That's to, all it to was. charge up. That's all it was. Right, fine. I Buy time some other way. I mean, I'm talking about from a script writing perspective. I um, didn't, didn't care for it. Yeah. Uh, I did want to bring up one other thing. Um, that kind of it didn't sit very well with me while I was watching the movie, and I couldn't put it into words. Um, but there's a certain element of self mockery throughout the movie, kind of Star Wars poking fun at itself a like little when, bit. Like when Luke calls the lightsaber a laser sword, a laser sword, or when he tosses the lightsaber over his shoulder. Um, it, these these little moments, these little jabs, and. They were kind of funny sometimes, um, or whatever. But I uh, I did read a review afterwards that kind of put into words the feeling that I had had through the movie, um, and it was a reviewer by the name of Kyle Smith, uh, and he said, "You can go with self mockery if you want, but it amounts to burning your seed corn to warm your hands. Get a cheap laugh poking fun at the mythology, and its power won't be there when you need it." Uh, and that's something that worries me a little bit. I could see this not being as big a problem as maybe that sentence makes it out to be but uh, I could also see it being an issue they kind of in the way that I was talking about uh, undercutting General Hux and his um, bad guyness uh, does a disservice to your to your bad guys in general um, in the same way if you are if you're poking fun at your own mythology and not taking it seriously, you're also not giving your viewers any reason to take it seriously or your characters for that matter. Um, and I'd say the, you know, the force and all, all of its attendant uh, mythology, if nothing else, it's taken seriously by everybody in previous large, chapters and large numbers of its fans, and, of fans, you yeah. know, all that. So that, I, that felt a little weird to me. I, I, I understand. I understand. I can see it, but I also looked at it from a standpoint of Luke's in a place where he doesn't trust the force anymore. And because he doesn't trust the force, that mockery, that, that, um, abandonment, if you will, of, of that mythology was a Luke statement saying, I don't believe it. I don't trust it. I'm walking away from it. Not, I think, from a standpoint of the franchise poking fun at itself, because when Luke comes back and takes advantage of the Force, he takes advantage of it in a much larger way than we had ever seen before. Um, and and I th and I think for me, that's why I didn't look at it as making fun of itself. I looked at it at very much as Luke being that embittered and feeling that betrayed because he's missed everything and he misunderstood things. It, I, I, I agree with Todd um, with this small caveat that I wish then it hadn't been played as a comic bit. Yes, um, exactly. Thank you. Because I, I agree. And actually, if you go and there's a, you can read uh, Luke, Ham, Luke Hamill. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. He doesn't remember which one he is either. He's, he's misset as much. Mark Hamill actually talked Weird, about. Weird Al called it. <laughs> Mark Hamill actually talked about the story he wrote with Ryan Johnson that's not a canon story but to it's get Luke the backstory, where, yeah. to get Luke where he needed to be in this piece um, Luke was trying to refound the Jedi order was going through ended up out on his you know trying to fight the the resistance or the uh, the first order the different groups out there found love fell in love with someone had a child child was killed by the lightsaber by what lightsaber by his lightsaber um, that's why you should which, have lightsaber locks, which is why, which is kind of the, the basic story he used to 
get Luke to where he needed to be in the story where he's already he's been broken uh he's he's done with the force and things like that yep um that was a good interview it was it was yeah. a little, very interesting to listen to for me like i i had mixed feelings about luke tossing it over his shoulder because it was funny especially after how much time we spent waiting to see what the payoff of that scene and that be. and that yeah. felt like a big middle finger right in my face from see, Ryan johnson uh, i uh, and I understand people yeah. take things different ways, but I, I, I was very invested in that moment at the end of episode seven. I really wanted to see what their first interaction would be. And Ryan Johnson in, in my viewing said, well, F you. Yeah. I think it's funny. I'm doing actually, my own thing. I'm not doing JJ Abrams thing. I can see. And there was a lot of that in this movie about this is my, sorry, sorry Ryan. Well, it's funny because they actually reshot that final sequence at Ryan Johnson's behest request. Oh, did he? Yeah, he said, this is what we're doing in the next one. Can you reshoot this to to make it slightly different? So I'm kind of curious to see what the shot originally was. Um, but I I didn't really get a feel that they were ever... The laser sword thing, I I never really felt that they were poking fun at themselves too much. Yeah. Um, and it brings to my mind a question I have. I, when I was, I've been meaning to... I was going to throw this to you guys anyway. If you are Kathleen Kennedy... Oof. Ryan Johnson, J.J. Abrams, these these leaders of the new Star Wars universe here. Who well, first you... of all, I'm not talking to you losers. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you make Star Wars for now? You make Wait. it for you make it for the new fan base. You make it. For you the... don't make it for anybody. You have to make it for somebody. You're, you're Disney. You make it for the people who are going to pay lots of money for the merchandise. There, that's who you make it for. That's why you have porgs everywhere. There is a there is a fan base, and the and the the tough part with this is that if you make it for the old fan base, that only lasts so long, and it doesn't necessarily attract the up and coming fan base in the way that you might want to. If you're Kathleen Kennedy and you're looking at this, you're building it for the up and coming fan base. You're building it in a way that allows for new people to come in to have an experience with it at a at a continually renewing level. I think that's one of the reasons that they've done so much with the animation. I think that's one of the reasons why they've had Star Wars Rebels and why that has been successful to the extent that it has been uh, because it is positioned at a younger audience that they can get involved in it so that by the time they hit that 16 to 26 demographic, they are very much ready to part with every one of their dollars to go to see one of these films and to invest in the merchandising machine. And I think if you're Disney, you're Kathleen Kennedy, that's what you're looking at. J.J. Abrams may be looking at it differently, but I think Kathleen Kennedy is very is very smart, very astute, and she's saying, no, Star Wars was built on... On Star the backs of children. Star Wars, the, Star, the original Star Wars story was interesting to parents, but it was captivating to children. It was a retelling of all of the all of the wonderful myths in a way that was fresh for that group of children, which most of us were in. And then it took on a life of its own when Kenner came out with all of those phenomenal toys, all those wonderful toys. And I think there's very much an, an awareness that that merchandising machine is the machine that got that kept that keeps me as a 50 year old buying Star Wars pens. I'm, I'm sorry. Nearly fifty. You're right. You're right. Okay. I'm not fifty. I'm I just don't, 50. I don't want you to overdo it, Todd. I'm I nearly mean, fifty. Look, you're not that old. So you guys, it's like the only so time he's old. ever, the only time <laughs> Craig's ever said that. Yeah. So I, I finally had to <laughs> Thanks, come to Craig. Thanks. 
I had to come up with an answer on my own. I figured it would only be fair to answer my own question on there. And it's along the lines of what Todd is saying. And, and the first thing is you have to make it for someone because you have to know your audience to do a, to, to give good narration. Yep. You have to have at least a rough idea, know your audience. Otherwise, your storytelling is going to go in 50 different directions. Mm. So if I'm Kathleen Kennedy, if I'm, if I'm these, this group here, I need that original fan base to be a part of this. So we start it with, you start it with what they know. You start it there and you connect it there. But you need to make sure the longevity of this works by grabbing that new fan base. And you cannot play both fan bases the entire time. So you have to transition the old fan base into the new material because you're not going to get the new fan base into the old material quite the same way, which I know that sounds very blasphemous. So, okay, well, you're, the way you're talking is is so marketing-centric, it's making me sick. And yeah. this, and, and I'm the marketer in the room here, you guys, um, but it, it takes no account of art. Look what they did to the it, expanded it, universe. They mean, killed it. You mean the old expanded universe? They killed. Yeah. They killed it. And the reason that they killed it was because they couldn't control it from a marketing standpoint. There were so many entrance points with so many different directions. Right. And this is my well, point. They are they are marketers. They're not artists. And what I would like is an artistic product. Um, and what and what if we're talking about. Um, you, well, you have to have an audience. Well, sure, if you want to sell tickets. If your primary objective is to sell tickets, then yes, you think like a marketer and you create as a marketer. That's that's fine. However, you think about the things that really last, the things that survive through generations and across cultures, and these are not marketing products. They're artistic products. You know, I'm talking yes. about the original Star Wars. I'm talking about the, uh, you know, the Lord of the Rings and uh, Charles Dickens novels. Well, okay, that's a bad example. Those were pretty, those they were pretty, were pretty commercial. heavily marketed. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, but I, but you, you, do you see what I'm saying? I, I'm talking about, um, uh, about paintings and, uh, and sculptures and music and whatnot that, that exist for a commercial purpose, but were not made with marketing in mind. I so two things. First, art does not have to be completely without boundaries to be successful. Um, it can be done inside of a box. It's not. Sometimes it's it works there. Um, so you can create a marketing machine like this and still have art inside of it. I firmly believe that to be the case. Um, the other thing is is let. Did you like Rogue One? No. That is the most, this is an arguable point, the most original artistic Star Wars piece we've had in a while. I loved it. I did too. Oh, I thought it was a worthless pile of garbage. No, I thought it was fantastic. But, but that's something that we run in. That's, that's a piece that we can run into here. If, if you're wanting Star Wars to be artistic and to be a staple, you're going to get Rogue One. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not telling you that I'm sad that Rogue One was made. I'm telling you, I didn't like it. Sure. Mm -hmm. In the same way, I, I cannot tell you how much I detested every minute that I sat in the theater through The Lobster, which is this little indie film that came out of Europe a year or two ago. It was atrocious in every conceivable way. It was offensive on every level. 
and I can't be more pleased that it was made and that I sat through it. Okay, even so, though I hated it, even though I hated every minute of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You are a man of contradictions, Craig. I, for me, in the long term, for the survival of Star Wars and for its continued proliferation as a quality medium, and I do think that it will maintain that. I'm okay with what has been done in terms of the direction and, and building that marketing framework for it to go forward and bringing, getting the buy-in from the old fan base into the new material so that they can transition in and go with both going forward. Because if you try and sit on the fence the whole way through, we're going to get terrible, terrible movies with C-3PO showing up in every film. I think, yeah. I think this one does a good job of that. I think... It's the starting point. Uh, a good starting point. That's what I'm saying. And I think in, when we get to episode nine, there are so many questions still... Going into episode nine. Okay, so here's the thing. There are lots and lots of questions. In fact, I'd say there are about a dozen of them on Reddit that we never even kind (laughs) of brought up. Uh, So I'm sorry to everybody on Reddit. Here's here's the thing. We could easily do another... uh, What was this movie called? Last Jedi. We could do another (laughs) Last Jedi episode. We could probably do two. Uh, Yeah. Uh, and just kind of talking about Star Wars in general and doing basically what we did today, which was, oh, you know what that reminds me of? This really esoteric concept about Star Wars that I want to go <laughs> off and philosophize about for 10 minutes. Uh, we could do that a lot. And maybe we will. But for now, we have to leave you because our hour is up. But I'm going to keep the mics running. Um, and if you are a patron, uh, if you're on Patreon and you are a $3 uh, patron or higher, you will have access to the next five or ten minutes uh, because I, I teased Battlefront 2. I'm sorry. Okay, we're not going to talk about that today, but we'll talk about it um, on Patreon and uh, and maybe a little bit more here about Force Awakens. Or what is it? Was Last Jedi. Last... <laughs> it was fine. It was a fine movie. Whatever. Uh... <laughs> I don't know what to do with myself right now. Um but for now, we're going to leave you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, do you guys, are you, you cool with me doing that? Sure. The, the yeah. three of you? Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. So thanks for listening, everybody. If you're not a patron, uh, consider joining up if you want to get all this extra behind-the-scenes audio. Um, and if you are, well, then go there. And, and thank you. Check it out. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next week is the conclusion of our Wheel of Time series. Holy crap. The actual conclusion of our Wheel of Time series. It feels like it took an age. It yes, indeed. Um, and uh, and then after that, I think, gosh, is it straight into Narnia after that? Don't we have Narnia and Oathbringer? Goodness gracious, yes. Yeah. We oh yeah, I'm sorry. That is a question yeah. I get all the time on Reddit. Are you, are are, are you guys going to talk about Oathbringer? Are you going to do it? Yes, we're going to do yes. it. Oh yeah. Um. Yes, absolutely. In fact, a uh, treat for everybody is uh, that we're bringing back Megan from the previous Stormlight Archive episodes. Uh, and an even bigger treat is uh, Ken's not going to be there. Oh, so. you all can suck it. <laughs> we love you, Ken. I'll, I'll just find a way much. to be there. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'll find a way. No, it's just, uh, you know, Mike's fill up. Seats fill up. And, uh, and I wanted to get Megan back on because she was uh, really awesome during the previous Stormlight Archive episode. She showed up with notes. I know. <laughs> Seven I, pages of them. It was amazing. 
It was uh, a little bit frightening, actually. <laughs> I loved every minute of it. So we'll, we'll be doing Stormlight Archive. We're doing Narnia. We'll probably talk about Last, Last Jedi again. See, I got it, you guys. Last Jedi. Proud of you. Yep. And uh, uh, 10 minutes later. <laughs> it's, it's like two and a half hours. Uh, okay. Let's go. Have fun, everybody. See you next week.